All right, we're gonna today. We're gonna disagree with each other. All we're right, gonna, I think we are. That. I just seen Joe's notes. All right, we're gonna disagree. And we're gonna have a good time. You're listening to Footy Flicks on Radio Thamesmead, the show where three boys who know nothing about film and even less about football review some of the most well-known flicks made about the beautiful game. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the third episode of Footy Flicks on Radio Thamesmead. Today we've got Joe and Carlos as ever. Say hello. Hello, listeners. Hello, Carlos. Hello, Lewis. It's coming for you like a wrecking ball. Hello, audience. Hello, Joe. Hello, Lewis. Appreciate that. Um, All right. Last week, we spoke to you about the global game. And today, we're talking to you about, well, the theme is rags to riches. So there's obviously a collection of films in any sport about when someone comes from nothing and then makes it in their sport, fulfills their dream. Today is one of those days. So we're talking about goal. That is goal one and goal two. Don't worry, because next week we're going to be leading up to a massive finale where we talk about goal three. So to get things kicked off, has anyone got any context on the film or on the theme or anything whatsoever? Well, for this week, I'd say there's not much context needed. Mm. Football is traditionally a working class game and in recent history we've seen that from other countries with players from latin america specifically central america this week with mexicans mexican immigrants and we see santiago munez coming from mexico and reaching his goal of playing in europe and that's a story that we see with a lot of young south americans african players and so yeah it's a rags and english and And English. english of course we can't forget england so this week it's rags to riches on a global scale but let's not forget home as well that's beautiful right joe could you give us a little rundown of the plot just of goal one we'll okay get, we'll get on to goal one minute. it's called the dream begins oh and it is the rags to riches story of an illegal mexican immigrant to the us santiago munez who fulfills his dream of becoming a professional footballer by getting scouted by newcastle united um and on his travels he also falls in love with a lovely Geordie lass oh. called Rose. She's lovely. Right, I think that's fair enough. Just to add in, in the classic Rags to Riches style, it's not all plain sailing. He comes over, there's letdowns, he doesn't think he's going to make it, he gets rejected from his trial, and then he does make it at the end, which is probably quite a common theme in Rags to Riches films. Um, so, we've had a little plot synopsis. I want to hear you, uh, Carlos. Right, so I watched the film when it came out, so I must have been about 10 years old. And in those days, I did play football. I was crazy football. Football crazy, I should say. And I remember watching it and liking it, but also because I loved football so much and I did want to play for an academy and I did want to make it, just the football side of it being so fake when I was that age really turned me off it and I never watched any of the other ones so it was, I wasn't one of those kids who grew up loving goal but then when I revisited it to do this show I tried to give it a, f- a full blank slate and again compared to the other weeks the actual football in the film just turned me off so much <laughs> because it was just so fake and the whole idea of how we got scouted for Newcastle by just rocking up and meeting the manager it was just so it was so Hollywood and so far from what it would actually mean to get scouted that it really turned me off. But then 
with the ups and downs that Lewis referred to, the film did capture me a little bit more. And I was rooting for Santi, which I mm. think is a banging name for a player. Yeah. Santiago. Um, nice. I, want, I wanted Santiago to win by the end. But it's not a very detailed review, but it just didn't capture me like some of the other films. So if you want a number from me, I'm going to give it around five. All right. Okay. All right. Joe, what about you? So I think I liked this film without really loving it is what I would say in one sentence and I think I'll start with the the positives it looked fantastic on screen I thought it looked really good also I found it very authentic in many ways firstly because the cast then I think the real footage also got me I really was drawn in when if I ever found myself kind of not concentrating when some footage came on yeah I started it really really drew me in just like on the Champions League nights and that kind of thing oh sorry that's the second one but no no oh they're qualifying but, for the Champions League yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but even, even so, so Premier League matches at St James's Park yeah as we said was... last week that's what yeah. made uh, ben, the little bit in Bend It Like Beckham was so special when they had original footage just yeah, to yeah. butt in that I sound like a hypocrite because I said that was my fa- one of my favourite scenes in Bend It Like Beckham when they ended, edited her in <laughs> but what I liked it was so rubbish yeah, so they were, so they were so far fetched that it was funny yeah, whereas the, this one was taking itself a bit more the seriously the production was in on the joke it was like yeah. this is meant to be funny yeah. but with goal it was just like a CGI I just thought it was quite serious but sorry to cut you Joe keep going I enjoyed the way that they gave us a little insight into Geordie culture I thought that was pretty good in the way that they definitely played up to a lot of Geordie stereotypes without really overdoing it I thought that was that would have been good for people who weren't familiar with that culture. Um, I didn't even think that any of the acting was particularly bad. However, yeah, the the film was incredibly cliched, and I kind of got attached to this film about as much as I could to a, a cliched rags to riches story, essentially. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I didn't. I liked it, but I didn't love it. All right. If Fair you had enough. to be giving it a number, what would you give it? <sighs> Come back to me at the end. All right. Come back to me Good. at the end. Quite right too. Um, I want to start my review by saying that first of all, I don't want to keep on judging films by, like, as a football supporter or as a football lover. So, as you said, like, obviously little bits like he turns up at the stadium and goes and has a chat with the manager is just, like, mental. But... I want to take it out of that and just as a film on its own, as someone who didn't follow football might watch it. And from that, I think that just specifically the first one really actually captured important elements of someone who's made it from uh, like a really like poor background and the pressures that they have on them, which is a really real thing like in football now and in just like... I don't know, musicians or talented people from any background that suddenly make a lot of money. You've got so much pressure from the place that you've come from that you can't forget about it or do anything like that. I thought it actually captured that quite well. Um, So I found myself kind of rooting for him the whole time and actually like really actively wanting, like really actively being involved with when he scored and stuff like that, which I didn't think I was going to be. So I can't really... In terms of uh, kind of happy-go-lucky rags to riches story, I was bang involved with it. Wow! I thought it was quite good. I mean, it wasn't an incredible film, but it was an enjoyable hour and a half. Well, on 
hearing those and no I agree with you it was an enjoyable hour and a half um, but on hearing those two quite positive reviews I think I should elaborate more expand because I was quite negative without really saying anything but what kind of got me about the film a lot which which really put me off was that also I, I, I agree with you that you have to remove yourself as a football fan sometimes and mm. think of it as just a Hollywood spectacle but I thought some of the themes and the way they tried to portray the whole rags to riches and he's got a lot of baggage from his poor background I thought it was just so overdone there was so much the word I wrote down was fake tragedy mm. every single character in the first one had such overdone fake uh, fake tragedy so for example the scout Glenn who first spotted him his wife had died of cancer and to make matters worse, he played for Newcastle but stopped out of injury. So he, he'd had two massive tragedies. Um, his dad had swept a brothel floor and ended up stealing his money for a truck. Tra tra uh, truck, so much more tragedy. And then he, dies. And then dies, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the biggest tragedy yeah. of them all. And then his girlfriend, who he starts dating, her dad was a rock star and he walked out on the family mm. his mum had walked out on the family i just thought that there was so much tragedy that they were trying to ram down our throats we got it he was poor yeah but every single character in the film had something but again it's for kids or a younger audience so maybe it has to be obvious but for that for me it was just a jesus there's so much but can we talk. just for a minute talk about rosa with us. Oh, I was absolutely in love with her. I'll say it proudly. <laughs> that Geordie accent was incredible. Oh. No, I, I did I did get on board with Roz. Yeah. Especially in the second film. But we'll, All go, right. we'll go into yeah, that in a bit. Keep quiet on it. Um yeah. <laughs> what else have we yeah. got to say about Gold? About Roz. Um Alright. So you think it was a bit too over the top with the negative. I mean that's probably fair. We both got involved with it. Also, yeah. One point on the acting was, I thought the whole first half was pretty badly acted actually, Joe. Because I think that the main character's an okay, like uh, happy-go-lucky guy, but he's not. Re he doesn't really capture you. He's quite. He's, he's quite two-dimensional. Yeah, he's quite like shallow. Uh, two-dimensional is a good way of putting it. But also, I just remember in one of the scenes when he's playing football in LA. He like they didn't really capture the emotion of a football match. Like he absolutely pings one off the bar, and even I was watching it like, whoa, what a shot! And it cuts to the crowd, and they were like, oh. And I, I just <laughs> thought like it needed a bit more like oomph. Yeah. Like bend it like Beckham and some of the others captured that like the raw the raw emotion of football. But this one was just a bit too Hollywood. In fact, on him first kicking a ball in LA. Can we just have a little chat about him playing football? Because <laughs> I've, I've got a note here that says, not only was I dying to first see him kick a ball, it turns out that I should have been dying to see him run. He literally, like, he couldn't even run. Like, he actually yeah. couldn't even run. Yeah. He couldn't run. He was he, running, do you know who he was he running like, sideways. He reminded me, his posture reminded me of Ander Herrera. He was kind of hunched over <laughs> and... Not oh, a natural like running technique, more than running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you remember week one, when we announced that me and Lewis are Arsenal fans and Joe's unfortunately still more a, a rugby United kind of fan, guy. And a rugby kind of guy. Um, 
you know why we don't know what Ender Herrera runs like because <laughs> no one in their right mind watches Mourinho's United so that's just a little update on that well um, I admitted admittedly not many of us have seen Ender Herrera this season ooh however must have hit out and I fact, think he's in fact all the listeners of Thames made if you've got any views on Ander Herrera, then we're going to try and get him on for one of the later episodes so you can let him know. Footyfix442 at gmail.com. <laughs> Thank you. If you've got any views on that. Thank you. Anyway, I think he's got very distinctive running All right. posture. Well, anyway. We all agree with you. Um, like yeah, what I wanted to say, what? what I wanted to say um, is the thing that I think this film did capture, and it may have just been in me, is it really brought to the for just how much I love football and I don't know why because it was a joke and the main character who was supposedly come from playing with like bags in his back garden is now playing from Newcastle but and cardboard as shin pads and cardboard yeah. as shin pads <laughs> and all that kind of stuff but it really did make me feel like the power of football and actually while we're on this the thing it made me think is how nuts it must have been when Rooney scored when he was 16 Oh my I don't know why, but that just sat in my head so much. The thought of, like, this is obviously a far-fetched film, but it's not when it comes to like the, uh, the ideas that are at play because it is a f- not obviously it's like rare, but it does happen quite a lot that someone comes out of nowhere completely at a young time. age and just is incredible. Yeah. So I thought I kept on thinking about the Rooney goal where he does semen from like twenty-five yards at sixteen. Yeah, incredible. There was um, um, one more, sorry to repeat myself, but there was one more uh, bit of fake tragedy. One of the things you reminded me of when you were talking about the Wayne Rooney thing and him coming through out of nowhere, just exploding on the scene. One of the trialists who he plays with, who becomes his mate in the Newcastle reserve team uh, when they're trying to get into the reserves, is a young Scouse player who used to play for Tranmere. And <laughs> sorry, can we get another one? Can we get another go? Of Tranmere. <laughs> that was worse. <laughs> I can't do it twice, Lewis. Um, he played for Tranmere and. He's a little runt. He's a little, he's he's right, an absolute little runt. runt. I wrote down about him. This is when the whole fake tragedy thing was through my mind. You know who he looks like? Sorry. Who? Who's the. Jay, Jay Spearing. Spearing. You've looks... stolen my analysis, you. <laughs> but he also said, I grew up on a council estate with a dad on the dole and a mum on the booze. More fake tragedy, <laughs> and he looks about fifty years old. Yet he's in the reserves, he and he plays. And he plays in the hole. He plays in the hole. <laughs> you but, never get someone balling in the hole. No, no, no. But the crazy thing is, as unrealistic as I thought that was, I was looking at him and thought Jay Spearing came Thank through the you. youth team, and he looked about sixty-five. <laughs> And he was playing for Liverpool in central midfield, so maybe it wasn't that unrealistic. And you know what, Jay Spearing, if you're listening to this, which I imagine you are. You're welcome as well. You can come on in. Lewis. Sit next to Ander. I'd like to just go back to your point about it reigniting your love for football. Uh And I want to ask about how much you think that is due to the fact that it was made at a time when we were football obsessed, all of us. So there was Predators. Oh, Can we talk about Predators yet again? There was Premier League from the late noughties. Mm. The commentary. Oh. It was all, I found it, that's what really kind of reeled me in. And on that, I think partially, it was the choice of Newcastle was such a genius move. Because obviously Newcastle's got that, Newcastle is an old great club, and at the time it was a great club. 
and it's got the whole kind of like cult of the number nine and all stuff like that and it's a one club city one club so picking Newcastle was such a like well educated move it could have gone to like anyone else but that fitted so well um, so I think that along with everything else that was going around with it made me really think oh I love football because I was going back harking back again to the time when like Newcastle was like a strong force because mm, I that really surprised me as well because I remember when I watched the trailer for this because I'd never watched a goal before seeing it. You think it leads you to think that this is a Hollywood take on football, mm. and then it goes to Newcastle, and it's a real contrast. And again, I'll just echo that point. I think it's a very intelligent choice. Genius. Very intelligent choice. Brilliant. Choice. It was a great choice, and the one club um, city thing is picked up on because he says you could have gone down to London, but they've got four or five teams, not up here with like Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. you go like you could have gone to Manchester, they've got two. Liverpool, yeah. they've got two, but Newcastle, it's just us. So it was, it was a great. I do agree, it was a great choice, but I guess playing up to my negative perception of the film. Did you know that this film still stands as the highest ever corporate? deal with a film with Adidas. So unpick that a little bit. So why, uh, what is a corporate deal in football films? So it's not in football films, Is this is in all film. So let's say a deal with, say you had a Fast and Furious film. I know nothing about these, but just because it's about cars. Say they had a deal with Toyota or, I mean, probably a sexier car brand than that. So Toyota again, if you want to come in next week, you can sit next to Flanagan and under Herrera. <laughs> Jay Spearing and Jay Spearing. Spearing. and Flanagan if he wants to but what, what I Flanagan dropped off the radar anyway sorry yeah um, what I was saying about corporates so it's basically a sponsorship deal so the film's production was sponsored by Adidas so watching the film knowing that you do see there's a hell of a lot of product and placement by the way that's worked so well because I was looking online today to try and buy Predators. See, that is interesting. <laughs> so it's already so, worked. And all is. the three listeners of this are now going to do it as well. So yeah, that was that was an interesting point about goal for me because, I mean, when we get onto the second film, my thoughts about that come more in, mm. more into play. But basically, what it made me think was, at one point I thought, is this a rags to rich story? Rags to rich story. Is it a ratchet story? <laughs> <laughs> is this a rags to riches story that's meant to inspire young players and think you could make it. Yeah, I think it does do that. But also, is it a bit of an advert for the Premier League and for Adidas and football to be like, if you are a young kid, get massively into football, support a team, buy their shirt and watch the games on TV. That was my tension that I thought. I hadn't thought of that. I think yeah, I think that's uh, quite a fair point. I actually kind of overlooked the whole thing, but there was a lot of product placement. Oh, it was one long yeah. advert. Yeah. Um, can we just go back to your point about the money side of things? It was like a Hollywood film. Yeah. The way it looked on screen. So it got me thinking, what's the budget? I looked it up and it's $30 million, which is the equivalent of about £25 million. And this is compared to a £3 million budget for Bend It Like Beckham wow. and a 625000 budget for Football Factory. Wow. To be fair, I reckon Football Factory could have been made on like an iPhone and a brick. Yeah. but I, That is what makes it so great. Yeah, exactly. That is its strength. Yeah, but then it also got me thinking how much, to what extent is kind of authenticity dictated by the budget of a film? And I think, yeah. Do you mean by that, that you lose authenticity with a higher budget or you gain it? Would you? I mean, that's what I'm asking you. I, I think 
it is dictated by the budget. I think with a higher budget, theoretically, you could make a film more authentic because you have more money to spend on it. But However, I think I think it's, I think it's down to what you like, what you know as well. I think Gorinda Chadha, who directed Bend It Like Beckham, she's obviously she is from the culture, mm. and therefore she knows far more than anyone else, or than, for example, a, a, a white British man would about. Indian culture and for that reason she was able to put this on our screens without having to splash loads of money on it basically mm. I think that's an interesting point I think that probably uh, for people like us we can still appreciate and love a lower budget film because we're looking for little bits of it that are like stuff we can associate with and obviously like the reality of it doesn't have to be gained through budget but I think for the wider audience, there's parts in films that they can cling on to and follow that have only been made possible because of like a bigger budget. So I think we're, again, we're in quite a lucky position of reviewing films from like cultures that we're really, really into anyway. What do you reckon, Carlos? Um, I agree that coming from England and London specifically and watching these films, being into football, we are lucky and we can be a lot harsher critics on what is authentic and what isn't. And I think um, Gold did do a good job. But what what struck me, what you're saying there about the budget, Joe, is that I did some a little bit of uh, Google research on this. And when I first... Other... Um, what are they called again? Search engines. Other search engines <laughs> are available. We haven't forgot you, Mr. Jeeves. Yeah. We will have Jeeves in here next week, along with Flanagan spearing. Or you, fire, or you Firefox. <laughs> and everyone's forgot about Firefox. Anyway, Carlos. But no, I googled it and I saw about three different figures for the budget. And this is what led me on to finding out about the Adidas money. Because at first it told me it took 27.6 million in the box office. And it had... No, sorry, it had spent that on its budget. And I think... Oh no. Incorrect fact again. <laughs> What are you doing here? It had spent <laughs> 33 million on the budget, but only taken 27.6 in the box office oh, money. Debt. But then I found out that Adidas had given them 50 million. So that meant that they had actually made a profit because of the corporate sponsorship deal. But then I found a completely different figure for the budget, which said that they'd only spent 10 million on it. So as we live in a world of fake news, mm. I'm just lost in the figures. It's probably not that interesting. But... No, I think that's, again, just a fascinating point that you've made. Anyway, moving on. You know what this film made me think? Why can there never be a great film about a great defender? Have you ever seen it in any in anything? Why will a defender never win the Ballon d'Or? Exactly. Well, thank you very much. I, and on that point, I'm lobbying hard for Varane to win the Ballon d'Or this year. How can you win Champions League in the World Cup and not even be up for debate? Because he's a defender, yeah. Or, or even be spoken about. Not be even be spoken about. He's stunning. He anyway, and this got me thinking again. If they were to make a goal-style film about a defensive player of the last 15 to 20 years, what player would you like to see it be about? Sol Campbell. <laughs> All day. <laughs> off the bat. Come on. He let Tottenham down, broke all of their hearts. Yeah, he is. won the double at Arsenal. He has lived his life like he's the main character in the film of his life. Exactly. Already. Yeah, <laughs> I, that makes complete sense. All right. Sol yeah. Shall come as a massive shout, Joe. What about you? It's already it's already been done, but Rio Ferdinand. 
Has it been done? Well, there's there's plenty of stuff on Rio Ferdinand. Yeah, the drugs fail. Yeah, and his obviously the passing of his wife and stuff. But I suppose that's not about him as a player. And also, I like that because as the listeners of Radio Tensmead would know, Rio Ferdinand is a local boy. Played for Elton Town when he was younger. And we also are in negotiations and trying to get him on the show. So keep tuned for that. We're really excited to have him in it. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think that we've uh, spoken enough about goal one. But Can Joe, I say you, one more bit? You're more than welcome. I've, I've gone in on Adidas today and there are other sports brands available. Thank you. And one of those that did get me a bit of football memorabilia that got me absolutely gassed. It might be a little bit niche, but they had the total 90 football, mm. the FIFA approved Premier League standard one. I, When I was a child, I would pay all of the money I had just to be able to take one shot with one of those. To balls. have a FIFA approved ball was to just have like, a FIFA you have made it. Total 90 ball. So when I saw that get put down, that was when I started to smile. <laughs> I, I, I started liking that, yeah. <laughs> But what I've got All to say, right, kind that, of lead, lovely. leading on from that, is kind of undoubtedly, if someone watching this didn't have that connection to football in that way, then I, I don't feel like it would have appealed to them really at all. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah. because I had so I connected with this film because it was made at a time when I was bang into football, like mm. the most I've ever been obsessed with football. And if you take that all away. It's not a great. It, it's not, is it? It's no. not, is it? I think I was essentially blinded by its links to football during that time. But the one thing I'd say is that it's not exactly a niche topic. No. You know what I mean? So if you're going to make a film that's specific about one thing and that you'd only get if you're into one thing, then kind of naughty's football is a pretty safe topic to choose. Yeah, it's very safe. Also, as I said in at the start, I was we were all well Joe you were just saying it we were all young and mad into football at that point and I remember obviously training and stuff like that and learning about the game at that age and there was one one memory I had when I watched it when I was 10 one scene my favourite scene from a football standpoint where they really like I just thought it was genius when I was 10 but I mean it's not that smart when Santiago dribbles too much and he, and he wants to be a superstar and the, the manager calls him over and he says come here come here the manager's a good character as well actually very philosophical German mm. but he calls him over and he says come here I want you to run as fast as you can towards that goal and Santiago sprints off and the manager just takes a huge he, he, he lumps it uh, and it lands in the goal obviously before Santiago's got anywhere near there and he says what did you learn from that and Santiago says oh you can you can shoot from halfway <laughs> and the manager says no the ball is the fastest thing on the pitch. And that was the one moment that I had to stand up to and say... It was brilliant, that. Fantastic. It was moment. genuinely brilliant. Favourite scene. Yeah. Um, so, Joe, I'd love a little uh, soundtrack review from you, please. I've got to say, the soundtrack didn't scream out at me. Ooh. I did feel some connection to it because it had that kind of... It had, the, it had music from the era as well. Namely, Club Foot by Kasabian. Yeah, which yeah. will always be a classic. He also had music from Oasis and music from the Happy Mondays, which I remembered and kind of got a little bit nostalgic about. In fact, on the on Oasis songs, I loved it because of the Oasis songs, but I think they might have used a cover band to then play the songs to not play as much pay as much money. Again, this is only interesting for me. If Liam or Noel are listening, and, and they want to. Yeah, and they want to come down. Invite them on. Look, we've got. I'm literally. I'm looking to my left now. I'm seeing a row of empty seats, and this time next week they're going to be filled with Jay Spearing, 
Flanagan, Ander Herrera, Firefox, Firefox, Jeeves, Jeeves, and who else, Carlos? Nolan Liam, Liam Galler. That's the one. How is, it, is it Liam and Noel or Nolan Liam? Who, who, you know what? Or? We're going to ask them when we'll they come down. Me. Right. On that. Uh, has anyone got a nice little funny quote to end off with? And by that, I mean I've got a funny quote to end off with. I've got one. All right, yeah. Carlos, Joe, go. When I think Santi has recently arrived in Newcastle, he's walking past a, a school <laughs> and these kids kick the ball over the fence and Santi does a couple of keepy uppies and he does around the world etc and it pans back to the kids and one of them goes quite tasty <laughs> I've literally got under quotes the only thing I've got in this is simply an unreal cameo from the fat little kid in the playground when he goes quite tasty quite tasty so it's unreal. unreal unreal Carlos you got a fun, funny quote he won't <laughs> I mean, I didn't really find anything about the film funny, so <laughs> there's no funny quote for me. All right, you've got a rounding up um, score out of 10 then, Joe, because you didn't give us one at the start. You're playing coy with it. I'll give this film a six. Right. You're going to go six. I'm also going to go six. You've gone five. I've gone but five. the moral of the story is we all were, can I take it that we were all somewhat looking forward to starting the second when the first had ended? No. Okay, brilliant. That's where I like to go. Joe, were you? Also, I was a bit tentative because I was worried it was going to follow the same repetitive pattern. Santi getting his big move, getting knocked back, but inevitably making it past. <laughs> oh my the God, hurdle. were you right? Okay, you know I mean? so welcome to part two of Footy Flicks on Radio Thamesmead on the dial, locked and loaded on a Tuesday. And repeated on a Friday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and on SoundCloud. And on SoundCloud. And the other... Again, other um, providers are available. So <laughs> on this week, we're going to have... I'm going for an early shower. All right, all right. Right, okay. So goal two, uh, in terms of a really, really quick plot synopsis... He's played at Newcastle for a year. He's now earned a move to Real Madrid. Real Madrid came and came uh, came and knocking. He went a rocking. He starts pretty well. Then he has some troubles at home because he's left his wife. The there. ladies start a flocking. The ladies start a flocking. His beautiful Rosie from uh, the tune is left feeling a little bit out of the way, even though she was a fiance, and that's a subplot. But on the pitch, he has an injury. Then he plays well. Then they win the Champions League. Boom. Right. What are our reviews of goal two? Um, well, I thought goal one was okay, so I gave it a five. I thought goal two was absolutely dreadful. <laughs> I thought it was, out of all of the films we've done for this, if there was one that you couldn't force me to watch again. If you're about to say this was worse than Shaolin Soccer, then get in the bin. Get in the bin. Shaolin Soccer was levels above goal two. Shaolin Soccer was Goal two started out. Firstly, his trim went from dead to the deadest. It was so bad. His trim made him look like a mix between Roberto Martinez and Iniesta. And think about it yeah. mentally, you can see that. Andres Martinez. But if I'm going to be serious about it in terms of my review, the product placement went to a whole nother level. It was literally shot like an advert. It felt like an advert. This is where the thing of... He's made it to Real Madrid. Is this a story for children who want to make it in football or is it something to make them buy shirts? 
I felt like it was the latter. Um, it had the star-studded quality of having Beckham and Zidane. It even had Florentino Perez. And Thomas Gravison. And Yes, Gravison, Thomas Gravison was looking like a big man as well. Yeah, they had Gravison. And it just went from all of that kind of gritty, toony stuff that they had incorporated in the first went out the window. And I know that's the point because he's now a superstar and he's collecting the baggage that comes along with being a superstar. But genuinely, the film, it was just one long advert. I've said that before, I'll say it again. And truly, I just really didn't think it had many redeeming factors. All right, I'm gonna pick up some of those things in a minute. But first, Joe, what was your review? So I partially agree with you in that it did become more advert-like. However, my thoughts about it changed midway through. So it got to about 40 minutes and I was thinking, is this really going to be the same as goal one again? Mm. Are we going to have, he gets knocked down, he gets back up, he gets knocked down, gets back up. However, it introduced a bit of drama, an emotional drama kind of side to it. And that kind of reeled me in after the first 40 minutes of being a bit bored. What we didn't mention is there's a subplot in which Santi is trying to find his mother who left the family before they had moved to America in the first film. And there's this, as well as his relationship being on the rocks, and that combined with the football, or the the relatively little amount of football, is what kind of yeah drew me in a back drew me back in oh, a little surprise, bit. Oh, surprise, surprise, the rugby boy likes when the football stops. <laughs> I think it no, it's it's good that it diluted the football a little bit because mm. if it were did continue with just these football scenes as lightly enjoyable as they were I couldn't really enjoy them much longer fair enough so I'm right. glad I made that decision Carlos I'm going to pick you up on something because you said that you didn't like it did you were you not entertained when goal 2 started with original footage of the infamous Barcelona 3 Real Madrid no and Ronaldinho Ronaldinho show were you entertained 3, 2, 1 Yes, thank you very much. Right, so my yes, review. No, <laughs> I wasn't because I've watched that clip on YouTube many a times. And Have you ever seen it in Hollywood? It doesn't matter. Have you seen it from that angle? Exactly. Pitch no, side. It was a new angle. Thank you. But I, I didn't enjoy it. Okay, really. that's fair enough. Well, okay, I'm going to say that one goal one is better than goal two, but two goal two does something actually a lot cleverer than I think we're giving it credit for, and that is it completely shifts the dynamics of who, as an audience, you're rooting for. You spend all of the first one thinking that Santiago Nunes is like this dream son, then a dream boyfriend can do nothing wrong. And then the second one, it shows how money can then corrupt you and fame can corrupt you. Because you then start thinking, hang on, he's actually a proper horrible piece of work in the second one. And then instead, you start to like the flashy Gavin Harris seems like actually I'm now associating with him more than I was in the first film as well so there's a massive switch which I think is actually quite a clever thing to do because I personally started to think that actually this Gavin Harris knows what's going on when in the first one his head was in the cloud and it was all a bit mad for him you also start rooting for Roz as well yeah exactly and you root for his His fiance so much and that really builds up the fact the amount with which you start thinking this player has just been corrupted by money and he's throwing it all away and in fact, there's a brilliant line, which is basically, as Carlos alluded to earlier on, 
uh, one of the tragedies is that the person who first helps when he gets a new castle, who, who used to have a career and whose partner died and all this kind of stuff, it then starts to become his agent. And I personally, I really loved him as a character. He's a great character. He's a great, great bloke. Um, but in the second film, when Santiago starts to be throwing everything away, um, he says something along the lines of, you should watch how much you've got on your plate because some things are falling off the side. And I thought that was a brilliant, that actually really genuinely did captivate what can happen when someone suddenly goes from kind of incredible hardship to loads of money and there's too much for him to handle and he does start to lose things. And I thought that's really clever. So for that, I will say that the film was quite good. They so could have easily changed the plot so Glenn Foy, the scout, does come back to him inevitably, but they did yeah. kind of yeah flip it like that. Yeah, Santiago came back and asked him to help him out at the end and he said he kind of washed his hands of it. When I thought that was... I respected him for that move as a character and I respected the film for that move for not just wanting to round up and tick up every box and say, you know what, you've got a happy ending fully, because it didn't. I think I would, I would challenge you on one thing in that... Santiago was a much better person before the money when he was this humble, likeable immigrant in LA who's come over to Newcastle. But I think he was always tunnel vision about his dream. He was like stashing money in his boot rather than helping his family out. He wasn't, he didn't actually get on with his dad and he didn't go back to his dad's funeral. So he wasn't like this amazing stand up family man. Like he didn't bring his grandmother and his little brother with him, they were always forgotten. And I do like... And next week, we've got his grandmother joining us in the studio <laughs> so she can finally air her own opinions. But he never brought them over to Newcastle or Madrid with them. And I think, although obviously the film did try and pick up on these themes of money and celebrity corrupting people, I mean, that's not necessarily genius, like... Um, themes that they've picked up on that's just a fact of life i agree um, but when you said that you first watched this film when you were a lot younger yeah. and i think for someone that's a lot younger for example when i was say 10 and mad into football a thierry Henry or a patrick Vieira could do no wrong yeah of course. so a film that is catered to that audience and shows in actual fact this whole being a celebrity and being a star isn't all it's cracked up to be i think what? it's quite clever what um, I was going to ask you as well is what made you start rooting for Gavin because I just saw him as quite a bit of an idiot throughout the two films there's a scene where he's actually in the scene where Santiago gets injured where they're just like having a casual chat and a kickabout in his house he stands up for Santiago's fiance and says well you can see why she's getting annoyed da -da 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 -da, and back and forth on that and you can see that you are out here living a completely different life now and how is she supposed to react to that? She's going to expect the worst. And I think in uh, in the previous film, he would have been the person that said, no, forget about her. She's getting over for no reason. Let's go and go out and then put him back in these negative circles. When in actual fact, he's not. He is the voice of a more mature like reason. And it made me think he's changed. Yeah. I like the way that they used Gavin Harris. Firstly, you are always batting. You're always batting for Santi until... He does, I can't remember what he does. He does something wrong and he has to go to the to the, to the the boss's office and Gavin Harris is the reason that he does get like the, the month-long trial. I like the way that they led you to dislike him and then they brought, you, they brought him on your side. And he's also got possibly the greatest quote in either two of the films and that's where he manages to, obviously it's on purpose, he smacks out about 18 cliches in a row when he's being interviewed. 
and I've got it here in front of me. And he says, it's in the Champions League semi-final, they've just knocked Leon out. And he goes, those Leon boys will be sick as parrots because it's a game of two hours and it ain't over till the fat lady sings. So that's football, isn't it? <laughs> um, what were the characters, if any, Carlos, because you were negative, what are the characters that you did like in that the I, second film? I quite like the little brother, but he had, we haven't explained this either, but Santiago's mother, who had walked out on the family, is living in Madrid with her new family, including a younger half-brother of Santiago. Um, and he's just a little chirpy character who runs around town. And interestingly, they painted the poverty in Madrid well enough that I had to question myself and ask whether it was in Mexico or Madrid. But I thought he was like quite a likeable character. But, but again, it was just quite an obvious role of a little street urchin running around and none of the characters to hear there was a bit of, tra- bit of tragedy <laughs> none of the characters really carried much depth for me so there wasn't one I liked Joe who was your standout character Roz in the second in oh. the second film I really grew to like her actually I really did I really felt her pain yeah I did I did I liked the scenes where it they're on the phone and it cuts back to her and she's in rainy northeast England working in a hospital ward I felt sorry for her and I felt her pain. And you know what? A scene in which I felt both sorry for her and her pain is, <laughs> I hope you remember this. Basically, it's like his first day at Madrid and she's in their hotel or whatever it is at that point. And he comes back with like some big bags of like presents and he empties them out. <laughs> He's brought back just loads <laughs> of miniature footballs. <laughs> but you've left your fiance. <laughs> to go and start a new life and you brought back a load of skills balls <laughs> and then he opens like, open, open, opens up the catalogue and he's like just pick any car and we can have it and he's like the most bog standard it is the reasonably priced car from Top Gear that's just made me think of a character who I did quite like in the second film Roz's mum Roz's mum Roz's mum was funny I've got a question yep taking up the negative role if you hadn't have watched this film as part of doing this review for this show, or let me frame it a different way, would you recommend someone else to watch this film? In a word, yes. I actually would. And I'd recommend someone that maybe doesn't follow football to watch it. Really? Because I think they'd... I th- I'd recommend them to watch both one and two. Because I think they'd grasp just a little bit of the I love football spirit, which it has from it. I'd hope that they'd pick up on that a little bit. So yeah, I actually would. What you, Joe? I don't know what specific aspects of it would appeal to someone who doesn't really know anything about it. Going back to the point where I feel like I only connected with it because of that aspect. I feel like the the plot line is too cliched and it's too predictable. And I feel like you need to really be drawn into it to have the kind of the chops and changes and unpredictability. Fair enough. If we took the football out, like we said about the first one, if we took the football out of it, the positive plot changes we've been talking about, they're not really like top class film level. It's more on a TV soap type level. I mean, I'd say I'd put it on a level with like EastEnders or Hollyoaks. Yeah, it's very, very over dramatic. Yeah. But it is a Hollywood blockbuster aimed at 11 year olds. Yeah. So you put it on an 8 and 11 playing field as like a Frozen, and I'd say I'd rather watch this. And I'd advise someone to watch this. Have you seen Frozen? No, I haven't. Neither have I. But has it got Zidane in it? 
Right, so let's uh, wrap up the goal two chat with your scores out of 10. This is what all the listeners at home have been hotly anticipating this week. Carlos, go. If I gave Green Street a four, I'll give it a three. All right. Joe, what did you give uh, goal one? I gave goal one a six. Yep. And I'm going to give this one a five and a half. Okay, I'm going to say that I gave goal one a six. And I'm going to give this one... I'll just call it a six as well. Okay, um, so that was a roundup of goal one and goal two. And I've actually got some really exciting news for both of you boys. Um, As the listeners at home may well have uh, seen, last week we asked whether Joe's opinion on Bendit Beckham changing was shared by any of our listeners at home. And on footyflix442 at gmail.com, I've actually had an email from Michael Owen. I can't believe it. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't believe it. He says, "Um, Hiya, boys. Just want to say you're doing a great job with the radio show. Joe, your opinion changed. Mine didn't. I thought it was great from the start. (laughs) I'd like to say, Michael, um, I haven't got the time to apply to you at the moment, I'm afraid, but it's lovely for you to get involved. I hope everything's going well with the horses. And if anyone at home would like to get involved, again, it is footyflix442 at gmail.com. And it's been a pleasure to have you this week. Joe, Carlos... Say goodbye. Goodbye and thank you for listening. Until next week, listeners. <laughs> All right. We'll see you again next Tuesday. Enjoy it. People attend me. Live it up. For the finale. Ooh, oh, shit. yeah. Wait. Next Tuesday, we will be talking about goal the third. If you love this, you're going to probably think the next one's okay. Have a great week. <laughs> Footy Flicks is presented by Lewis Fradstone Stubbs, Carlos Casman, and me. Joe Conlan. I also produced and edited the show.